Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, we're going to talk about the possibility of a recession and what that means for the housing market. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, and my guest today is our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, who is going to give us his take on Fannie Mae's recession call and other economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. From first-time and non-traditional home buyers to those needing a jumbo loan for a second home, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers since 2015. Finance of America Mortgage is licensed to lend in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And backed by best-in-class lending technology with a wide range of innovative and proprietary mortgage products, they're prepared to help borrowers find loans that meet their needs. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. It's always great to have you on. And boy, in this uh, in this news cycle, we have so much to talk about. So last week, Fannie Mae came out with, you know, they, they revised their origination forecast. Um, they talked about the overall economy and what that looked like for a recession. Um, I'd love for you to tell us what you think and, uh, in their numbers. We can look at what their numbers said. Um, they've got it, you know, declining lowered its mortgage origination forecast for 2022 and 2023. And they're saying that's because of the Fed's aggressive, you know, monetary policy and uh, volatility in the mortgage market. So we'd love to get your take on that. Well, technically, if the the U.S. was going to go into a recession, bond yields would really fall down. Mortgage rates would fall down. Um, That's traditionally the, the case. I'm never a big fan of forecasting following years uh, economic data. I always believe in a progression model, the six recession flag. This way, you don't get to use the R word and then something else happens. It changes that variable. So right now, again, three of my six recession flags up. But regarding housing, uh, housing is a very big component of the next uh, two flags. Uh, Typically, housing starts and new home sales fall into a recession We are at risk of the uh, new home sale market and the housing starts market to be impacted. Uh, We uh, wrote about that last week with the, you know, the completions data is held hostage by higher mortgage rates. And when I talk about that is there's a lot of people that bought homes, mortgage rates were about three, three and a quarter uh, percent, and then mortgage rates went up 2% on them. So some of those people will not be able to be qualified. The builders now have to replace those buyers and then assume what is the demand for their current production. So that typically is, you know, a kind of a late later stage where the Fed is aggressive with rate hikes or the bond market mortgage rates rise, uh, that will impact that. So, so far we're not there yet, but that is definitely a risk. Uh, the leading economic index basically falls four to six months. 
The housing permits is a very big component of that. So if the builders have problems finding buyers for the homes that they've been canceled on and they're forward-looking uh, productions, they will pause. They will always pause. I think some people make the mistake that they see the low inventory in the existing home sales market and they believe the builders have to put their heads down and just build, build, build. They don't operate that way, especially after 1996. So uh, if you haven't figured that out by now, then that's on you because they're very, very clear with their intentions. You protect margins at all costs, you know? So we'll, we'll see how that happens for the rest of the year. I do believe mortgage rates getting up there will impact housing. It will slow the existing home sales market down, but it really impacts the new home sales sector. So that's something to keep an eye on for 2022, uh, of course. Well, let's talk about rates, mortgage rates, right? Uh, widely expected to go up this year. Um, do you see them going up? And if so, when? Here's why I'm against the 6% plus mortgage rate uh, premise. Uh, for me to go to 6%, that means the mortgage market itself has to still be stressed and economic data has to get better, not weaker. So uh, if you're forecasting a recession and higher rates, those two things are going to collide. And usually what happens is economic data gets weaker and the bond market sniffs that out and mortgage rates typically get to go lower. So there's going to be a really awesome tug of war fight right now in the United States of America. A lot of the inflationary pressures that we're dealing with now, some of that are stuff that we have no control over. The Shanghai ports are closed, the Russian invasions to commodity war. But some of the economic data that we saw when inflation was picking up are starting to slow down. Trucking data, uh, transportation, some of these things. So uh, we're going to see how much the U.S. economy and world economies can handle higher rates, higher inflation, and higher rate hikes. Uh, um, because right now, if really, if we're going just off inflation, mortgage rates should be 8 9%. The 10-year yield should be north of 6%. Uh, that's not happening. We're not even real positive on real yields taking inflation in the bond market. So I'm actually not believing the U.S. economy will grow faster or Japan or Germany will. Uh, so I think there, we're pricing a lot of things. So it's basically a tug of war fight. The, sh the, bar the market is priced in a lot of rate hikes already. The Fed has to deliver. When they deliver on these 50 basis points rate hikes, there is a lagging impact, a negative impact toward the economy. So the market is tightened enough for the Federal Reserve. Some might question that that's what the Federal Reserve wants and letting the kind of world economic situations take its course. If things start to slow down, they don't really need to cut much. Uh, I think that's a, that, that, that is a valid premise. So we'll see how well the economic data holds up. But if higher mortgage rates impact new home sales, new home sales fall, housing construction fall, GDP, portions of the GDP impact gets impacted. I can't see rates really rising or the Fed talking about uh, being more aggressive when the economic data starts to slow down. So I'd like to dig in a little bit more to your recession model. So you talked about how three red flags are already up. Uh, you can see two more in housing. Can you can you walk us through that? What you expect to see, like what that model looks like and, and how close you think we are to it? Well, right now, new home sales is a lot of the housing data is backward looking. So you're going to have to look in the next six months. If new home sales start to fall, the builder's confidence index falls, monthly supply grows, cancellations rates pick up. Housing starts will slow. 
So that, that in that sense, will raise one of the red flags. Uh, leading economic indicators, and this is, this is the interesting new dynamic about this expansion. We have 11 million job openings. Job openings can fall 4 million, and we're basically at 2018 levels. So we have to adjust our mindset of the labor market because simply, we lack labor. The baby boomers are leaving. They have to be replaced. It's a wash then. So if demand stays stable, people are just going to need uh, uh, to retain their workers and hold them uh, longer than traditional. Uh, the job openings after the Great Recession uh, was a little bit over 2 million. We're 11 million now. It was 7 million before COVID uh, hit us. So the labor market's a little bit more, the, the demographic dynamic is different than what we've seen in the past. So uh, you really need to see demand destruction for companies to start laying off in big numbers, right? Uh, and I think the, the great financial recession gave a kind of a false premise of how, how bad recessions can be. COVID-19 was not an economic recession. We were not going into recession until that uh, pause happened. Uh, so s similar to maybe a uh, what we saw after the tech bubble bursted, where we lost two and a half million jobs, something to that nature, uh, but nothing like the the great financial recession where we actually sh saw consumption fall because debt needed to be deleveraged, uh, the and and we a lot of uh, industries got impacted. It's a, it's a little bit different this time around. So each economic cycle is unique, and we have to take all the new variables right now. Uh, but the one thing that is different, boy, job openings at 11 million, very high. Uh, jobless claims, very low. Uh, baby boomers always leaving the uh, workforce. You know, we get some of those retirement people that are coming back in into the labor market, but still that dynamic is here and it's been growing for many years. Nobody wanted to look at it or cared about it, but we were the ones going jolts 10 million very early in the recovery. Not even the job openings people were talking about that, but yeah, it got there very quickly. So understand that dynamic is different than what we saw going into the uh, recession of 2008. I think that is so key for this. Um, we are seeing people just, you know, everybody has PTSD. Everyone in housing has PTSD from 2008. Even in the country in general, when you say recession, they're like, oh God, you know, we're all bracing for it. But to your point, if it's not a housing recession, if it's not caused by housing, yes, you know, it, it has an effect, but it's not going to be the same thing we saw last time. Yeah. And, and it, the, the very simple answer to this is that, I mean, housing economics, so much of it is credit. Uh, credit was getting worse in 2005, six, seven, and eight. When I mean credit getting worse, people were filing for foreclosures, bankruptcies, there had to be a debt deleverage in housing. I, I cannot express to you how opposite it is right now. Homeowners on paper are the best shape ever recorded, not even U.S. history. I would take the U.S. homeowners against anyone in the world, right? Uh, uh, they have very fixed low debt costs, rising wages, uh, nested equity. They have Their debt products are very vanilla. Uh, and that's part of the problem with the supply. Homeowners have it so good that you know, there's not a real need to move unless some life-changing event happens or they need a bigger home or smaller homes or so something of that nature. And it's the post-1996 housing world that the housing credit bubble is just not here, right? Uh, we just don't have those kind of dynamics. And credit was getting tighter during those last few years before the recession. Credit can't really get too tight. Uh, it's just a 30-year fix. 
You know, I make the case that maybe we should abolish arms so people that can't escape the higher rates to create more balance. But even the arm products are very fine. There's no, there's nothing wrong with them. Completely different marketplaces. So if you're still in the 2002 to 2008 mode, you're in another universe. That world does not exist. There's no data lines that exist. Home prices have accelerated much higher and hotter than that period. But the loan quality is 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 very excellent. I always tell people the notion that positive cash flow educated homeowners would sell their homes to be homeless is a real fascinating premise. Uh, don't think it really holds up in the real world, but some people like that. And uh, so usually a seller is typically a buyer. So it's really hard for inventory to grow unless you have real demand weakness and forced selling. See, it's the opposite. We have forced buying. Forced buying, not a good thing. We need higher rates to cool this down. We don't want Americans to be forced to buy a home competing against five or 10 people. So higher rates positive in that sense for the equilibrium of housing to be good. You've even said you are team higher rates uh, in several yeah, recent articles. Yeah. Team by, higher rates. By, or by the end of January, it became evident what was happening. We're heading toward, I mean, we still have, you know, 15% home price growth. Not a good thing. Uh, God, my five-year growth model was at 23%. So it's just, this is the dynamics of having too many people chasing too few who, few homes, not the there's too much credit uh, out there. There's just a simple raw shortage. And the only way I could think of of this ever fixing itself is higher rates creates more days on market, creates growth rate of pricing. And I'm already seeing that in some of the early data. I know some of the some of the backward data doesn't look at that, but that's that's the pre five percent mortgage world. So we're seeing some of that. And that to me is a positive because what was happening in January, February and March negative. But it's a different world right now. So we'll take it one week at a time. I wanted to uh, follow up on on the whole idea of the unemployment, because in that Fannie Mae report, they talked about they expect the unemployment rate, which has been under 4%, to jump to uh, 6%, I believe in 2023. And so I would love to get your take on that. And if you think that that's, you know, why you think they're going for 6%, what's the difference between now and then? What is that? And what does that look like for the overall economy? You know, if we're in a recession, most likely the the retail sector gets uh, impacted. The durable goods purchasing, this is actually the sixth recession red flag here. We purchase so much durable goods in a very short amount of time that it's it's a historic run. Uh, so I use the Peloton effect uh, to try to uh, teach people what happened to Peloton. They had a booming demand. They manufactured a lot of Peloton bikes, did not sell. They have a glut of supply and they have to fire people. So think about that in the retail sale industry, in the durable goods uh, uh, area. If there is a big push for capacity and demand doesn't follow through, then, uh, uh, you know, those are the areas where you'll see layoffs. If new home sales fall and housing construction fade, you you don't need as many construction workers. Those are the things that you want to see just uh, to, to counter counteract where does that six percent unemployment and just remember when it's, we're talking about six percent unemployment rates, ninety four percent of the country is working. We lose. Com- yep. Complete. And I, yeah. I need to say they they actually say that's or in twenty twenty four, which seems like uh, again. Yeah. So it's everything's a progression. Progress. You take it one week at a time. It data will guide you there unless you have an exogenistic shock. So technically, we have two shocks right now: the Russian invasion and the Shanghai ports. 
a little bit different than what COVID was, but we'll take it. The data will show us there. And we're already seeing some of the kind of softness in some of the data that was really strong. So uh, that's why I don't like forecasting or even saying the R word until I got everything in place. And then we talk about it and what happens and how do we get out of that and uh, we did the America's Back Recovery Model on April 7th, 2020, because some of the early indicators were recovering. So we, we we do it in that progression model rather than forecasting a year. Love that insight. You know, last week you wrote about existing home sales. You ta- uh, you looked at permits. You looked at completions. What did you gain from from those reports last week, which, as you said, are, are backward looking, but still? The existing home sales is savagely unhealthy. It's This is the Post 2010, the most unhealthiest housing market. Uh, and again, it's just the raw shortage of homes. And uh, the fact that we're having, again, 15% home price growth, we're having bidding war still, uh, again, backward looking. Uh, there was a premise that if mortgage rates got to 4%, there would be some dynamic shift change in the housing. Nothing happened. Okay. Inventory is still being negative year over year. So you need higher rates with duration. Uh, so again, that was backwards. The housing permits and starts data, uh, again, backwards, but the completion data is here. Completions data has been terrible for years now. And uh, the risk is that these homes that need their buyer to come through, you can get more cancellations and then the builders are worried about their future demand as well. So always go with the new home sales sector first, uh, where rates impact it should. The existing home sales, now that mortgage rates are above you know, 4% now, I think it should. And remember, we're not just talking about the rate factor here. I think a lot of people just focus on the rate. Home price growth has accelerated uh, uh, in a very unhealthy way in 2020, in 2021, in 2022. This is why specifically I said, if as long as home prices grew 23% in five years, we'll be okay. That's not happening. A hypothetical would be if home prices grew at 3% in 2020, 2021, and 2022, higher mortgage rates will impact some buyers, but not as bad. Here, it's not the case. We had 10% growth just alone in 2020. So um, mortgage rates should cool things down by creating more days on the market and less aggressive pricing. Because my thing now is home sellers, home builders, and investors need to be put on their ass. And a sub-4% mortgage rate market roll, they weren't. They were too much pricing power. When you have that kind of pricing power as a collective whole, oh boy, you could run. And look what happened. They just ran it. They just ran with it. And that has to, There's there needs to be checks and balances. And there has to be a way that we look at that as a positive, not as a negative. Because what we saw, what we're still seeing is home price growth way too much. And all that does is eat up affordability uh, faster and in an unhealthy fashion. You know, you and I have talked about, um, the larger economic, you know, uh, landscape with the things and and you just mentioned it, you know, we've got supply chain issues. We've got a war in Russia. We've got all these things. Um, we were already looking at, you know, the fed was looking at a lot of inflation and what they were, you know, they signaled early, they were going to do things this year to bring that down. Do you feel like, you know, some people are looking at that and thinking, oh, it's just going to keep going higher because we've got these other things. Do you feel like things are already priced in right now? The bond market has priced in a lot of rate hikes already. And I mean, in a very fast fashion. Uh, so the fed has to follow through now. Um, so the market is tightened enough. Uh, it, well, I think the Federal Reserve itself, it kind of likes this. You know, the Fed just has to pull through with it. 
Now, the question is that if economic data starts to fade, they're not going to go through with those rate hikes. Uh, so that that's the tug of war right there. The Russia situation and the Shanghai ports is very difficult because those things can either be fixed quickly or they could spiral even more out of control. Um, if Russia just said, hey, listen, we're done, we're not going to do anything, oil prices fall, right? Uh, uh, and if Shanghai opens up their ports, you know, it's going to take a while, but still, those things resolve themselves. We don't know when and we don't know how worse it could get there. If it wasn't for those two things, some of the data lines that we're seeing were already softening up. Some of the supplies were increasing to a degree. So we see that. But then you have these two big variable things here that are just, you know, they're, they're new 2022 uh, items and they have the potential to escalate. And I think that's the concern that the Russia war gets worse, not better, and Shanghai, China, you know, things get uh, more hectic there. And you just have to just take the data once at a time, but we already see that things were softening up already. Uh, but these two variables are just probably the biggest headaches for the Federal Reserve because they know they can't do much about this. Uh, they'd have to, you know, create a worldwide recessions to create inflationary things to fall apart. Uh, and that's not part of their dual mandate. Logan, one of the things I wanted to ask you today, I got a reader question. We get lots of engagement from readers and, and listeners about um, the things that you talk about and lots of fans out there. Eric Adelano, who is a, a mortgage guy in San Diego, asked me to ask you, with all the ingredients we have active now, you know, um, owners locked in low rates, low inventory, high demand, what type of correction can we anticipate? So when we talk about home prices falling, which is actually what I want because I lost my model, I, I have to look at a few things first. Number one, you can't have a correction when inventory is still falling year over year. It's like some people keep on talking about that, but usually you need inventory to increase, uh, supply to increase, and pricing power changes. So you want to look at this at stages first because the homeowner themselves are in a really, really great spot. So look for price uh, cuts from aggressive pricing first. Then you look on days on market. And then first we have to have a positive year of inventory, which means we're still going to be at all-time lows. So we are not in that uh, world yet of price corrections. Uh, as much as I want that to happen, not, not, we're not in that situation. So you have to take a progression model. First days on market. First, see how demand is doing, how much supply is going. That's why I always talk about when the total inventory levels get back to 1.52 to 1.93, that was 2018, 2019 levels. We actually almost had nominal home prices go negative. That was a really healthy market, by the way, back then. But we're not there yet. So we want to see the early stages first because you're not going to get forced selling. Okay, so when you don't have forced selling anymore, you have to, you're, you're taking the, I mean, home sellers are greedy and they're stingy too. They'll push up home prices to get as much, but then, you know, they'll sit on their homes for 30, 40, 60 days even uh, and won't budge with a price cut until they need it. So hopefully there's a lot of equity from a lot of people that say, hey, listen, I need to sell. I got to go. So I'll, I'll take a cut. We're not in that market yet. Uh, but it'll be in stages and we'll look at the data. We'll show people what's the data to look like uh, uh, right now. But right now, the primary thing is 
Hopefully higher rates impact demand enough to where days on market can grow and the growth rate of pricing falls. That's always been the case uh, when rates move higher. And that's something I uh, talked about in the article showing the last two times when mortgage rates rise, what does it do to demand? Doesn't necessarily create a lot of inventory, but the growth rate of pricing uh, falls. And I, and I think a lot of people forget this. We literally almost had prices go negative in 2019. It was briefly up. Uh, uh, so that was a healthy market. That's what we want to see, but we're not there yet. We got to take them in stages. Um, what are you looking for this week? What news are you paying attention to or reports that you're looking at? Well, the new home sales sector, of course, uh, that to me is the is for me personally, that's that's a big factor in the recession red flag model. And that's where I've always said the builders don't expect them to build when mortgage rates go higher. They will be cautious. They missed sales estimates in 2013, 14, and 15. And then 2018, their stock prices were down. And guess what? Their stock prices are down. So they're mindful of, of, of the demand. When you lose a new home sales sector and the housing start sector, that is a uh, uh, one of the recession red flags. So that I'm more focused on that, on the economic aspect, than the existing home sales. The existing home sales market is basically a transfer of commissions, moving vans, uh, some remodeling projects, of course. But when we talk of construction jobs, big ticket items, uh, those things, uh, it's it's really the new home sales sector and and, and housing starts. Well, Logan, thank you so much as always to talk to us. We're going to be checking in with you and looking at what you see coming with the recession red flags and also what that means for housing, um, mortgage interest rates, everything. Anything else you want to talk about? I will be in New York on uh, May 15th to the 18th. We will have an event, Cocktails with Logan. Um, we will be doing a Q&A. Uh, uh, questions and answers live and we'll be talking about the economy there and my god talk about all the drama that's happening right now and all the crazy variables we need to go uh, over with so uh, we'll get that uh, information to the public but I hope to see some of my New York peeps because I'm naturally a Wall Street guy by heart so that'll be a fun time <laughs> That will be great. I can't wait to see everybody there. We're definitely, uh, that's going to be May 16th, as you said. Um, look out for information on that on housingwire.com. And of course, we'll be talking about it on here too. Well, Logan, another great show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here, Sarah. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.